You can be turning in your Bibles to the book of Romans, chapter 5. And uh, we'll begin there in just a few moments. Good to see everybody here this morning. Beautiful morning. Guess we're going to have rain this week. At least they tell us we are anyway. So, uh, you know, rainy week in Los Angeles. How do you like that? We need the rain, yes. How many people today are wearing uh, clothing they got at Christmas? Got, got, got some people out here. I'm wearing this shirt. My, uh, my son-in-law gave me this shirt from uh, University of Georgia. Uh, I don't care anything about University of Georgia, but uh, I'm proud that he gave it to me. So, uh, you know, some of you uh, from time to time make comments about, well, I wish you'd wear a shirt, uh, you know, from my school that I like or uh, that kind of thing. And uh, uh, my response is, well, if you buy me one, I'll wear it. Uh, so... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I'd be happy to wear a Notre Dame uh, shirt, uh, uh, you know, if I'd get one, uh, you know. Uh, so anyway, uh, all joking aside. Okay, the uh, title of today's sermon is The Joy and Fear of a New Year. You know, here we are, January 3rd, we've just gone through all the uh, holidays and all that. And, uh, you know, sometimes when you think of, uh, you know, the new year... Uh, there's a lot of excitement and happiness and joy. And sometimes you think of a new year and you're like, ugh, uh, really? Uh, and, and here's some of the things that I came up with. The joy, sort of the positive things, a new beginning. You know, uh, you can start over uh, with whatever you might be wanting to start off with. New goals, new aspirations, new resolutions. Anybody out there have any New Year's resolutions? What are they? What, what, what are your resolutions? To cook more. Hey, hey. Any other resolution? Yeah. To what? To keep a planner or a date book and uh, be, be more organized. There you go. Any other New Year's resolutions? Yes. Read more. Okay, that's a good one. Now I know, you know, none of you said this for obvious reasons, but it actually is the number one New Year's resolution is to, let's all say it together, lose weight, okay? (laughs) None of us would say that publicly, you know, you're like, oh no, I I don't ever want to, you know, expose myself that much, Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, uh, we, we realize that that's a big deal for a lot of us, or maybe, maybe a simplified version of that would be, I need to eat better. You know, have a better diet. And not necessarily maybe lose uh, weight, but uh, at least have a better diet and it goes along. And sometimes there's a lot of happiness with the new year because you're just excited to sort of get things going again. You know, hey, I want, I want to get back to work. I want to get back to school. Uh, all that, right? Okay. <laughs> right. Some of you are saying, are you kidding? Uh, but, uh, you know, those are sort of the positive things. Now, the negative things with getting the year uh, going in a new year is that you realize that your problems didn't go away. It's now 2016, but the problems you had at the end of 2015 didn't just, uh, you know, uh, automatically sort of melt away. Sometimes uh, uh, the beginning of a new year is negative because uh, you feel older. Oh, no. You know, uh... <laughs> Not, not, none of the uh, none of the teenagers down here feel that, but uh, th- those of us uh, who are maybe a little older, you feel that way. And, and sometimes there's just a sadness that the holidays are over. 
you know, the, the last college football bowl game has been played. You know, and, and they're, you know, it's, oh, is, is it over? I have to admit, uh, I had that feeling a little bit uh, last uh, uh, Monday, I think it was, when, uh, you know, Karina had gone back to Alaska and Ross and uh, Maria had uh, gone back to New York City and uh, Chris had gone to work that day. And so, you know, I, all of a sudden I'm in the house and nobody's there but me and the dogs, you know. Uh, <laughs> And they're both asleep, and so, <laughs> you know, so I'm like, okay, uh, I, I'm I'm feeling a little low. But uh, we're going to study the first few verses of uh, Romans chapter five, and hopefully here we're going to deal with the joy and the fear of a new year. We're going to talk about a new year's focus on being positive, uh, and and our faith will teach us to do that, and our faith will also teach us to manage the negative. Let's read it together, beginning in verse 1. Therefore. Now, anytime the Bible says, therefore, what does that mean? Because what I just said, now I'm going to say this. So, we don't have time to really go back in chapter 4, but if you're going to really piece it all together with what he's saying in the first part of chapter 5, you'd have to go to the last part of chapter 4 and get a little bit of a theme of what he was saying and say, because I said this, now I'm going to say that, you know, kind of a thing. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He has given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. Though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have not been justified by His blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him? For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through His life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, in whom we have now received reconciliation. Now he says, through faith, through your faith, your saving faith, you can, you can deal with these positive things. You can learn to get the positive things going in your life. And you can also learn to deal with the negative things in your life. Every single one of us in this room are somewhat of a composite of really positive things and negative things that we deal with in our life. I want you to think for a minute, what are the positive things about your life? Come up with a list in your own mind. What are the positive things about your life? Now, if some of you are struggling with being positive, that may be part of your problem. (laughs) Because all of us are 
were, were, were some positive and were some negative. What, what are the positive things of your life? Now flip the coin. What are some things about your life that are challenging? That are difficult? If it's easier for you to come up with a negative list, you know, we ought to be able to come up with a positive list. Okay, I got, I got this, I got this, I got this. What, what are the negative things? Well, I've got, I've got this and I've got this. What are the challenges of your life uh, that you've got going on? What are the victories that you've had? What are some of the defeats that you've had? We've got to be balanced here. You know, you don't want to be Pollyanna in life. My life is just awesome! Well, really? You know, my life is awful. Terrible. Everything's wrong. Everything's negative. Everybody in my family, you know, wife, husband, children. Listen, nobody's life is all positive, and nobody's life is all negative in life. And he's saying here, by faith, you can learn to find the positive things in your life and really make them an important part of your life. He talks about a couple things here. He says, we have peace with God. And he talks about being in the condition of grace. That we are in God's grace. Now what does it mean to be at peace with God? Well, it simply means, I mean, he says a little bit later down there in verse 10, he says, for if when we were God's enemies. In other words, there's a time in a, in a person's life if they are a faithful Christian that they can look back on their life and say, I remember when I was in a condition when I wasn't in a relationship with God. Now, I'm not in that condition anymore. I'm in the other condition. I have peace with God. We're on good terms with each other. That's a good thing in life. This peace with God kind of a condition. It's a positive thing in your life. You look at your life and you say, Hey, I'm at peace with God. I live in this condition of grace. Now he says here some really interesting things about being in this condition. He says that you see at the right time, when we are so powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone would possibly die. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we are still sinners, Christ died for us. This, this state of being at peace with God, this grace state that He's talking about, this incredibly positive state that a, a Christian, a person living by faith is in, is all about how much God loves you. Now, when we love somebody, we can articulate what are some of the things about them that we love. Right? Husbands, wives. If you say to your wife, Honey, I love you. Well, that's, that's fine. But usually, you want to get a little detail there. I love you because you're going to cook more. (laughs) I love you because you're trying 
harder to keep the house in a good spot. You know, one of the one of the gifts that we got uh, for Christmas is that we got one of those little robot uh, sweeper things. What's it called? I forgot. A Roomba. And I'm telling you, that that little thing is awesome. And uh, I, I've already had to get little uh, blocks of wood to to get the uh, the the sofa, you know, uh, up further so it doesn't get caught underneath it. But I'm telling you, you turn that little thing on, man, and it just works and works and works and works and works and works and works, and, and uh, the, the room gets clean. And then you 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 push a button on it saying "Go port," you know, uh, uh, go, uh, go uh, uh, no, it's not port, it's dock. Go go dock yourself. And you know what? That little thing looks around the room until it finds its dock, and it docks itself. That's awesome, isn't it? But you know when. When that, when 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 you're 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 saying you love somebody, you're being positive about that. You're you're emphasizing positive things about them. God so loves you that He looks past your negatives and He emphasizes the things about you that He likes. I want to ask you: Do you feel? That God loves you. You should. Now, some people struggle with this because of things that they've done in their life. Well, how could God love me? I've been so stupid to have done this or that or something else. We live in a condition of God's grace. God loves you. Yes, He's aware that you were stupid. Perhaps you have not been stupid like it was a one-time occurrence. That you, <laughs> you, you, you got stupid down to a habit. And, uh, uh, and, and, and you're continuing, you know, that God loves you. You're in a condition of grace. This is an incredibly important concept for people to get a hold of. You don't draw a circle on the floor here. I'm in the condition of grace. Oh no, I sinned. I'm out. God, I'm sorry I did wrong. Oh, I'm back in. Oh, I'm out again. God, sorry, I'm back in. You're not jumping in and out of the state of grace. You live in a state of grace. Now the state of grace, I think this is an important little thing that I'm adding in here. That isn't something we just have from God to us. It should be something that we extend to each other. Look in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul and writing to the church in Corinth, because we're going to look at something in 1 Corinthians in a minute. But he says to them, to the church, that you need to forgive one of the members of the church. Now look at this. In chapter 2, verse 5, he says, If anyone has caused grief, he has not so much grieved me as he has grieved all of you. So there's someone in the church that really messed up in a big way. And he's caused a lot of problem. Okay? Uh, the punishment inflicted on him by the majority is sufficient for him. Now instead you ought to forgive and comfort him so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. I urge you therefore to reaffirm your love for him. 
And you say, what in the world happened? Well, look back to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. What did this guy do? What is Paul referring to? Now put your seatbelt on because this is, this is pretty heady stuff. Chapter 5, verse 1, 1 Corinthians. It is actually reported among you, uh, reported that there is sexual immorality among you and that of a kind that does not even occur among the pagans. A man has his father's wife. Now not to be too explicit here, but to make sure we're all on the same page. There's a guy that was having sexual relationship with his stepmother in the church. He says in verse 2, And you are proud. Shouldn't you rather have been filled with grief and have put out of your fellowship the man who did this? Even though I'm not physically present, I am with you in spirit, and I've already passed judgment on the one who did this, just as if I were present. Now skip on over in in, uh, verse 12. He says, What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked man from among you. So, I mean, this is a pretty serious situation. And he says to them, listen, you've got to deal with this this level of of blatant worldliness you can't have in the church. He says, this man has got to be put out of the church so he can learn his lesson. But then he writes the second letter to them and says, okay, he apparently has learned his lesson. You need to now forgive him. I want to ask you, is there someone in your life that you need to forgive? You know, sometimes the reason it's, it's hard for us to be positive in life is because we've got some things in our heart that we haven't actually sort of gotten done. We haven't gotten rid of it. We're still angry. We're still upset. We're still frustrated with how could they do this to me or how could they have done that, period. It's very hard to have a happy disposition about life if you've got junk in your heart, bitterness in your heart about someone that you haven't forgiven. God forgives us, but sometimes it's harder for us to forgive than it is for God to forgive. Ultimately, the sin that people commit is not against us. The people that that, that sin sin against God. God forgives them. God allows them to live in a state of grace. We need to too. Who do you need to let off the hook? Your dad? Your mom? Your kids? Your boss? You say, but they did me wrong! Noted! Be careful now. Maybe you've done someone wrong along the way. I know that's a remote possibility. You're such a fine individual. But it just might be that someone thinks you're a dirty dog too. And wouldn't it be nice if you felt their forgiveness? 
along the way. So the state of grace and, and God's peace at God and all that is very important to the positiveness that we go, we, we, we go through a new year saying, okay, I, I want to live in this state of grace, this positive peace with God kind of a thing. Now, look back to Romans 5. Because he doesn't deal with just the positive kind of things of life. He says, not only is this so, in verse 3, not only so, but we also rejoice in what? Our suffering. Wow! We also rejoice in our sufferings. He says this somehow, almost believing it seems, that everyone has some suffering in their life. I do. Don't you? Don't you have some things to deal with in your life that you wish you didn't have to deal with? How many times have you thought, man, I wish I didn't have to deal with this? But it's there anyway. And you just saying, I wish I didn't have to deal with it, doesn't make it go away. It's still there. We rejoice in our sufferings. Now he says this in, in, the, in the understanding of because of what it does in our life. He says that we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that our suffering produces perseverance. A difficulty. An awkward situation. You have an awkward situation in your life? that you have to deal with? Something that requires effort? Or all things that are suffering? And he says, we re- I, I says, I'm actually happy about the things that I have to deal with in my life because I know they produce something in me. The indication is, if you don't go through the suffering, you don't necessarily develop in these areas. He says, suffering produces perseverance. Now, perseverance, by definition, is patience, endurance, not quitting when it gets hard. Now, we all have some things in our life that are easy to do, right? What's something in your life that's easy to do? Sleep. Anybody got anything? Sleep. <laughs> sleep. Sleep is generally easy, you know. Uh, you lay down at uh, you know whatever hour, and 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 we love to sleep. Okay. Anything else in your life that's easy to do? Eat. Well, for most of us, e- eating is. Uh, you know, we're looking forward to that. You know, what are you gonna have for lunch? I don't know, but I'm sure looking forward to it. You know. That kind of, we all have things in our life that are relatively easy to do. We also have some things in our life that are, that are difficult to do. What are some of those? Study. Homework. Is homework hard? Sometimes. Hard. How, how about go to work? Is work hard? Sometimes, yeah. Huh? Name taxes. 
Pay oh, pay taxes. New year and all. We all have some things in our life that are difficult to do. He says suffering or difficulty of, of something in life develops perseverance. The coaches that I had when I was growing up, I know I'm an old timer by now, but there was a saying that was pretty popular at that time, is that quitters, uh, uh, winners don't quit and, and quitters don't win. I don't know, do coaches say that anymore? That's probably politically not correct now. Winners don't quit. Quitters don't win. You know, the, the indication is, is that once you get going on something, you need to keep going on it and, and not quit. Suffering, difficulty, produces perseverance. Perseverance is saying, I'm not going to quit because it's hard. I'm going to keep going. Now, I, I got to tell you, I, I'm proud of myself. On January 1st, I did the thing I've done for years. This year, I had to do it by myself because no one in the house uh, with me uh, wanted to do it. Uh, but uh, I, I uh, started at my house and run all the way up to Orange Grove where the, uh, the Rose Parade is all lined out. You know, all the, the floats are lined up along there. And, uh, and they're going to, you know, mesh it all together, the, the bands and the horses and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and then the, the uh, parade route goes down Colorado and all that. And I get up early on, on New Year's Day. I didn't stay up until midnight, by the way, uh, but uh, uh, to see the new year in. But I saw the new year uh, earlier than most of you uh, in, in real life. Uh, that, that, you know, you don't get don't get prideful that you stayed up till midnight because I got up at five thirty. Okay, you didn't do that. But uh, I get up at 5.30 and, and I ran on, on up there and I go as far as I can. You get to a certain point and they've got people across the road saying you can't go any further unless you've got a ticket. And I don't have a ticket, so I turn around and I, and I run home. If you understand what I'm saying. But, uh, you know, that, that whole thing is uh, somewhere in the range of six miles. So, you know, it's, it's six miles sort of uphill all the way up Orange Grove and it's six miles uh, coming on back. And, uh, you know, i got to tell you, there were a number of times on the 29th and the 30th and the 31st, I thought, eh, eh, eh. But you know what? I said, listen, quit being a baby. Get your tail out of bed and get moving. See, perseverance sometimes is a conversation that goes on within your head. Now, if Chris were saying, Honey, get out, get out, go, go, go! I'd probably be resentful at her. Shut up, why don't you go? But you know, when the conversation is within your own mind, I, 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 need, to, I need to not give in here to my feelings. Come on, Marty, push yourself a little bit. I'm not saying everybody needs to do that. I'm not saying that's what everybody needs to do. But somewhere, I'm asking you, do you ever have that conversation in your mind? See, suffering, dealing with, with something that you have to decide to do, suffering and, and, and getting through that suffering, looking at the pain, getting past it, it produces perseverance. What does perseverance produce? It produces character. Rick, turn that off. 
it, it produces spiritual toughness, spiritual reliability. <laughs> Rick, you got to quit watching cartoons during my sermon. That ticks me off when people watch cartoons during my sermon. And some of you out there texting, I know you are, and God knows you are too. So, some. <clears throat> yeah, it's my Bible. Yeah, it's your Bible. Uh, spiritual reliability. That's why when Paul talks about Timothy appointing elders, he says, "Don't, don't appoint a young Christian." Because with a young Christian, they haven't been a Christian long enough to be proven. You know, if you've been a Christian for 5, 10, 15, 20 years or beyond, you know what? You're proven. You've proved yourself. Because you've been a Christian long enough to go through some good times. You've been a Christian long enough to go through some bad times. And for whatever reason and for however, what condition you're in, you're still here. You're reliable. You're dependable. And it's because you have pushed through the suffering. Anyone who's been a Christian for five years has been a Christian long enough for Christians around them to disappoint them. They've been a Christian long enough for the minister to disappoint them. Yeah, me. You know, oftentimes you become a Christian you think, oh, the church is wonderful. The church is awesome. And then after you've been a Christian for a long, you start seeing some of the warts on, on the Christian. You're like, well, you know, wow. You know, they aren't as great as I thought they were. You know, and, and the minister doesn't throw a home run every, you know, every week. The sermon isn't always, you know, galactically awesome every week. You know what I'm saying? But you're still here. You see, going through suffering, dealing with the negative things in your life, develops perseverance. You learn to not quit because it hurts. And learning that then produces character. You've got character. You're a reliable person now. People can depend upon you. You're not going to just be there if it's easy. You're going to go through the difficult time and now you have character. And he says, and character develops hope. Well, what's hope all about? Hope is about understanding, I've got to focus not on just what's going on now, I've got to focus on what's going to go on down the road. In other words, you're becoming a person that isn't just interested in what's going on now, but you're thinking about what's going to go on later. What did you think about before you became a Christian? How can I make money? How can I be happy? All things related to right now. But the person who learns to go through suffering develops perseverance. They develop character. They develop hope. Their mind is not just focused on the new car. The mind is not focused on, who can I get one of those rumbas for my house? You're not just focused, can I get a girlfriend? Can I get a boyfriend? None of those things in and of themselves are bad. A new car, a new vacuum, a a, a new boyfriend, a, a new girlfriend. 
None of those things. But you know what? If that's the sole focus of your life, you see, the person who's learned to, to go through suffering and get on the other side has developed perseverance. There's a toughness about them. Yeah, there's a part about toughness from a physical point of view or a spiritual point of view that, that is valuable. You show me a guy or a girl, either one, a person that knows that they have some toughness. They don't walk in a room and feel like, oh, I'm intimidated by everybody. They walk in a room and say, well, and then I'm here. They've got some confidence. Why do they have that confidence? They have that confidence because they've learned, I can push through when it hurts. I can push through when it's not easy. The perseverance develops character. This is not just what you did, it's who you are. And character develops hope. Now you're not just immediately focused on what's going to happen in the next five minutes. You're thinking about, where am I going to spend eternity? I'm going to spend eternity with God. I'm going to spend eternity with God's people. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? Now let's wrap this thing up as we think about going into the new year. January 3rd. What did we learn from these these, these few verses in in Romans 5? That there's positive things. The grace of God. The state of grace that we live in. And that needs to bring an enormous positiveness to our life. Even if everything in your life or many things in your life are difficult or hard... The most important thing is that you realize is that God loves you. And He wants to have a relationship with you. Wow! What a positive thing. God loves me. And it's got to be me. You know, God so loves the world. Okay, fine. God loves me. God loves... God likes Marty. I like that. God loves me. He likes me. And what a positive thing to go into the new year with. Understanding that state of grace. Even when I mess up, I'm I'm in the state of grace. I live in the state of grace that God allows me to live in. And secondly, I can even look at the difficult things that I'm facing in my life. And I can say, because I am a Christian, I will go through this suffering. I will get through it. It will make me a better person. It will make me the person that God wants me to be, that I need to be, that my family needs me to be, etc., etc. I hope these thoughts have been helpful for you on this, you know, sort of first Sunday of the year. The focus on the positive to deal with the negative as we go into 2016. Guys, let's make 2016 best year ever. You for that? Let's go for it. You are dismissed.